everyone, welcome back to The Coop with Meyer Hatchery, where we talk all things poultry in hopes of inspiring crazy chicken keepers and educating future flock owners. I'm your host Kendra, and today I'm flying solo in a mini-sode. This mini-sode is a little bit different than our traditional episodes as we cover relevant happenings in and around Meyer Hatchery. Sometimes we also interview industry leaders, and today I'm very excited to be joined by author Gail Damero. Gail has been raising poultry for nearly five decades and writing about chickens since her first book came out in 1976. You may recognize the name from her well-loved books like Story's Guide to Raising Chickens, The Chicken Health Handbook, and her newest release, What's Killing My Chickens. Today, we get to learn more about Gail's background in poultry keeping as she shares some of her best tips for illness prevention and identification. So without further ado, let's get into this week's mini-sode. Welcome to the coop, Gail. Hi, thank you. Glad to be here. I'm very excited you're here. We have high regards for the Chicken Health Handbook. We recommend it constantly, especially to new chicken owners. Before we dive too far in, can you just give our listeners who aren't familiar with you a brief introduction? Well, I've been raising chickens since around uh, 1970, and I always wanted to have chickens. And after I got out of college and bought my first house, um, I would look for a place where we could that was zoned for chickens. And luck would have it, I found a house where the chickens came with it. So <laughs> that definitely was a big plus in that getting that place. So I've had chickens ever since, and I've done a lot of research. At the time in 1970, most of the books that were out were either obsolete or uh, written for different kind of um, operation, not a backyard, but more of a semi-commercial or small-scale commercial. So I was gathering information and just basically wrote my first book when I had enough information together. Um, actually, I started out, people were asking me questions about chickens, and I thought I was going to put together a one-page outline or one-page handout that I could hand out to people free, and I was going to have the free most common question, and then I was the most common five questions, and that was most common 10 questions. I Pretty soon, I didn't have one page. I had 20 pages. I was running them off on a mimeograph machine, and it got too expensive. Uh, so um, my mother said, well, why don't you write a book and get paid for it instead? So that's what I did. I put all everything together into a book, and I've been writing books ever since about chickens. That is too funny. So what was the first book you released then? That was called Chickens in Your Backyard. Perfect. Pretty straightforward. (laughs) And now was that pretty much your 20 pages that you had started with? Is that what really propelled that first book for you? Yes, that is exactly what did it. It just kept getting bigger and bigger and it just turned into a book. It's a small book, but it's, it's, um, it was the first one for backyard chickens in a, in a long while. In fact, at that time, apparently, it was just the beginning of the, one of the many waves of chicken movements. And I probably sent the manuscript to 120 or so different publishers. Everybody turned me down. I got some publishers saying that they were just starting out in chickens and they learned a lot from the book, but it didn't fit with their program. And about a year later, I got a phone call from Rodale and asked if the book was still available. And I said, yes. Nice. And it's still in print. That is very cool. So you said you moved into your house with poultry included. What kind of chickens did you start with? I think the fellow who bought, who sold the house had probably bought the hatchery special. There was one of each. Nice. <laughs> and that's one of the things that got me started is I, my grandmother 
it actually got me into chickens. She had chickens and I always wanted them and my mother hated chickens, so we weren't allowed to have them when I was little. But my grandmother had red hens, probably Rhode Island red. So I thought chickens were red chickens. Out in this yard, I had everything, including Polish and Bantams and Cochins and Silkies and just everything. And I just, first thing I had to do is find out what they all were, what the names of the breeds were. Mm-hmm. And so that got me started on the research. Yeah, well, that's funny you say that because that was kind of my background too, is I just, a chicken to me was a chicken. Like there was no other, there was no breeds or variety like you're talking about. And so when we got our first chickens, they were red and I had just called them Rhode Island red and I had no idea they were actually Isa Browns. They were gifted to us. <laughs> and so then I fell into that same rabbit hole where I came into the world of all of these different breeds and was so shocked and surprised to see the feather patterns and colors and characteristics. And then here I am like a hundred chickens later, still going. <laughs> Now, your experience with poultry really led you into writing about poultry. So I'm curious, how did the Chicken Health Handbook come to be? Well, when I had that first flock and I saw all, saw all those cool breeds, I thought, gee, you know, there's, there's so many different breeds. I want to get experience with so many different more. And I started out like a lot of other people and I acquired a lot of different chickens and their, their diseases from a lot of different places. Mm-hmm. And um, that was not cool. <laughs> and I had an old uh, goat health handbook that was really helpful for my goats. It was out of date, but it at least gave me the right direction. And I thought it would be really cool to have one like that for chickens, but I couldn't find one. So I started compiling information that I needed for my own reference and for people who were asking me questions. And pretty soon that developed into another book. I mean, basically it's like most of my books. I start out writing the information for my own reference so I can remember. I had a teacher one time who told me, you don't have to remember everything. Just remember where to look it up. Mm -hmm. So by writing my own books, I know exactly where to look it up. (laughs) Anyway, so I wrote the book and oddly enough, now I finally learned probably, probably in the process of researching and writing that book, I learned that really you need to have a closed flock. And so uh, since I've been maintaining a closed flock, which is since about 1982 or so, um, I haven't seen any contagious diseases or any of those big problems I used to have of, of respiratory and all that. But we mostly now have individual issues like a signal injury or a hen with a laying problem or something like that. So mm-hmm. that's a lot easier to deal with. <laughs> yeah, very much so. So what would be one of your best husbandry tips for keeping chickens? Well, um, like I just referred to, I see too many people commingling mature chickens from different sources. You either have to have a closed flock where you don't bring any new ones in unless you get rid of all the old ones. Or if you really insist on bringing in newcomers, you really should quarantine them for a minimum of two weeks and take care of the uh, the chickens, your own chickens first and the quarantine later in case they happens to have a disease that spread, but it's really not a good idea to bring any newcomers, mature newcomers into your flock. If you're going to introduce new chickens, they should be chicks that you raise in your own property and from a clean source like Mayor Hatchery. The chicks are healthy and don't have any diseases to start with. Mm-hmm. So that would be the number one thing. You know, people want to start, so they'll start with free chickens that they source uh-huh. from like Craigslist or Facebook or something like oh. that. Find out, They get them and then find out exactly why they were free, <laughs> which was they had some sort of illness and, you know, they were getting getting rid of them. I like starting with mature chickens. I think getting familiar and not having to go through that brooding phase kind of eases you into chicken keeping. But yeah, at the same time, responsibly sourcing them is pretty tremendous. Yeah. I broke my own rule early on when I had a closed flock. I was looking for a rooster, a New Hampshire rooster that was pure uh, old line New Hampshire. 
And I found one and he was just absolutely gorgeous. And I brought him home and my hens started dying. I took him to the state pathologist and they couldn't figure out what was wrong. Mm-hmm. And the hens started dying and um, one at a time. And then they stopped dying and then the rooster died and then no more problems. But after that, I said, this is it. I'm not going to break my own rule anymore. <laughs> Then that, you know, once you have your chickens to keep them healthy, they need fresh water, change the water at least every day, if not more often when it's hot. They need proper nutrition for their age. They need an adequate size housing with good ventilation, and they really should have access to the outdoors in a safe yard. And other than that, I mean, there's really not much else you can do because they're pretty self-sufficient. They really are, and entertaining at that. <laughs> yes, that too. So now when you have an issue within your flock, whether it be just a disease or a brief illness. Do you have any identification tips for our listeners? I think as a chicken keeper, that's one of the hardest things. And I know a lot of new chicken keepers tend to either they underplay it or overplay it. You know, they might see a sneeze and they instantly freak out and think something's wrong and have to isolate and all that. Or maybe they don't notice the symptom as much. Maybe they're not out there every day. And so it goes into something like a bigger respiratory issue that may take your chicken down for a couple of days. Do you have any tips on identifying those different symptoms? Well, you know, it's hard when you're not really familiar with chickens. The best way to start out is to start out with healthy chickens, observe them so that you get experience about what a healthy chicken looks like, what a healthy chicken acts like, what it sounds like, what it smells like. And if anything seems off, then you investigate. Now, if it's just a one-off deal, like one sneeze, that's no big deal. But if it's something that persistent and more than one chicken is developing the same problem, then you, you've probably got a problem. Mm-hmm. I'd say the most common signs are coughing, sneezing, or labored breathing, which would be respiratory, or excessive picking and scratching, which would be mites or lice or uh, egg issues like chicken squatting, walking squatted or squatting a lot, being baggy at the bottom. That would be an egg-laying issue. But some people get confused. Like you say, they, they see a broody hand and they think she's sick or they're molting, they're losing their feathers. Oh my God, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's basically knowing what a healthy chicken looks like so that you can have something by comparison and that's experience. I have one Wheaton Moran's hen right now in my coop that developed a little bit of a sound. She makes a funny sound when she breathes occasionally. And so when she first started, I got worried that maybe she had a respiratory problem and it was going to spread or something like that. But she's the only one that's had it. She's been like that for two years. No other chicken is like that. She's perfectly healthy in every other way. So it just seems to be something maybe anatomical that is causing her to make that strange sound. It just happens sometimes. I had a goat one time that had an allergy to hay. So, (laughs) you know, he's having a runny nose. Just like some people have allergies or anatomical things that make them breathing labored or whatever. So you have to know have to watch for the signs, other signs than just one little thing. Or research your specific breed if you're seeing that happen. I know there are some breeds that are more prone to like egg laying issues or things like that. So right. if you're seeing something, maybe look into your breed specifically to see if there's something related that can help you connect the dots. Um, and there's a lot of information out there. It can be overwhelming when you start digging into that stuff. So that's kind of why we recommend specific sources like the Chicken Health Handbook, a truthful source that really walks you through the symptoms. And what I love about your book is too, you really go into depth about how to prevent. That's the most important part. (laughs) Yes, it truly is. When I started with chickens, I wore my muck boots all over the farm and into town and things like that. I had no, I didn't even know what biosecurity meant when I started. So just knowing some of that terminology and what, like you said, what healthy chickens look like can really make a difference in your flock. 
That's right. What would you say is the most common issue you see or that you hear new chicken owners face when it comes to chicken health? Oh, gosh, it's really all over the map. I would say the most common thing I hear about, and it's not necessarily a health issue, is that when the hens stop laying, um, that would be a molt. Could be a mold. It could be the heat. Could be rat snakes getting the eggs. That's my problem right now. So, but it's not really a health issue, but that's what I hear probably the most often is why did my hens stop laying eggs? Well, they didn't necessarily stop if the, if a snake is getting them or a, or a possum or a raccoon, but other issues like the heat and the, and molting, those are not really health issues. They're just normal everyday issues. That would be the biggest question I hear. Mm -hmm. I would definitely agree with that, especially if you live in the northern climate in the colder months. I hear a lot of people concerned about the cold and their chickens not laying when really it comes down to your light source. Right. Um, That's exactly right. Or, Or the water's frozen and they're not getting enough to drink. Yep. Dehydration can definitely, and that can happen like, yeah, in the winter when your water's frozen or in the summer when it's really hot, that can really decrease your egg laying rate. That Uh, is really, really a health issue if they're not getting enough to drink, mm -hmm. but it's not a disease. (laughs) Yep, exactly. There's a lot of health issues that aren't diseases that I think are probably more important than being concerned about diseases. Thinking back to when we started, I would probably say one of my first issues would probably have been like an impacted or sour crop or the eggling issues because we had a lot of like the Isa Browns or Golden Comets or Golden Buffs. They go by so many different names. Um, And those breeds tend to occasionally run into laying issues as a hybrid breed. So I would, yeah. yeah, I think those were my two biggest hurdles when I first started. And then once I understood what was causing those, I mean, sauerkraut was easily corrected in my case, um, knowing right. what to feed your chickens. Huh. Exactly, exactly. Well, there's another, you're reminding me that another big issue that I'm seeing is people keep their hens a lot older than they used to. Mm-hmm. They keep them around as pets, even though they're, they stop laying or they're not laying really well. And the hens, a lot of times, will develop issues, tumors mm-hmm. or other uh, issues, heart heart failure, egg-laying issues, internal layers. And that's the result of generally the body, in, internal part of the body is just breaking down. It's just like with people, the older you get, the, your immunity kind of just wanes and you start developing all of these ailments. Mm-hmm. And with hens, cancer or tumors is a, is a big issue and also accumulating gunk in the abdomen that should have gone into laying eggs and been gone just from weakening of the muscles, weakening of the tissues that are supposed to hold things together. So people, and then they get all upset because they don't know what to do. Well, that's part of the chicken aging and what we're seeing now because we're keeping these chickens longer than in the old days where grandma kept the hens until they didn't lay so well and then she put them in the stew pot. That's a whole different concept. Now here on my homestead, we do. We raise them until they stop laying and then they get processed for the freezer. Um, The only chicken that we allowed to live their full life was one of our original chickens. And we called her grandma because she was so Mm -hmm. old. She made it to seven and she passed away last fall. And that was my first experience with a chicken aging out. Um, And I did that. I freaked out because I couldn't save her because I thought it was a sickness and really it was just old age. So that was my first experience with that and very similar to anything else aging out, including humans, where she was eating and drinking fine. She was getting a little less mobile, sleeping a lot more. And you could tell just her internal organs just weren't breaking down and not functioning anymore. So I recently read an article that was quoting a biologist in Norway And he made a comment in an interview that just really struck me. 
it was, it's silly not to think about death as part of life. Mm-hmm. And boy, is that true. And people, you know, just don't want to think about that. And that's the way it is. And the fact that chickens have a shorter life than humans makes it really hard. So you just get attached to them. Now, back to your chicken health handbook. Is there anything in particular about the book that you would want readers or our listeners specifically to know about it? I think I think going back to what you said a little while ago is having um, a reliable source. And you also referred to the fact that there's a lot of information on the internet and it's hard to sort through and it's really overwhelming. So to me, the biggest sad part is the fact that a lot of it is, it's not accurate. It's speculation, people guessing, uh, not sure what they're talking about or just outright wrong. People have opinions without having the facts behind it. And I think the main thing about the Chicken Health Handbook is that it's been thoroughly researched. I consulted a lot of different specialists in their field for each different chapter, and I did a lot of research. And I'm not going to say there's no mistakes in it. Everything's got mistakes in it, but it's as accurate as it can be. So especially if you're a beginner and you don't know what's right and what's wrong, if you go to an accurate source, if you use something like the Chicken Health Handbook, it's going to be pretty reliable and it's not going to lead you in the wrong direction. It truly is a great resource just to have on your bookshelf. I think it's hard for a lot of people these days with how easy technology is and how quick you can get answers off your phone or off the computer. And I think a lot of people are so accustomed to that now, but there is so much misinformation. So having a good resource like the Chicken Health Handbook, you can grab in a split second and get an answer for well, what I like about books, too, is that you can bookmark them, you can post it, note them, you can make notes in the margin, and you can find things in a real fast hurry, especially if it's something that you have looked up before and you just want to refresh yourself on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it seems like uh, every time I try to find something on the Internet, I get a different answer. <laughs> And that's really frustrating. Then you get really confused. Yes, that is very true. Or you get like little pieces of information from 20 articles and then you kind of have to piece it together where here it's all laid out on one page, easy to read, understand. What I like, it's it's not really medical terminology. I don't want people to think it's like that. It's To me, it's layman's terms. It's something I can read and understand and compare and know. Well, the only time I tried to use words, um, not necessarily words that we would normally use every day is when it was needed to differentiate something from something else. Mm -hmm. But I always give a definition of it uh, so that I make sure that everybody's on the same page and understanding what things mean. Mm -hmm. And it's hard, especially when you're trying to learn a concept. So you don't need to have to learn language, new language while you're trying to understand a concept at the same time. Other than the Chicken Health Handbook, are there any other books you recommend for our listeners that you've recently written? Well, I think a lot of beginners are worried about predators. And so my latest book, the one that I just recently finished, is uh, What's Killing My Chickens? It's a, it's a detective guide to help you find what uh, might be uh, bothering your chickens or killing your chickens or eating your eggs. And I started out writing a chart for myself, as usual, my own reference, of, of signs to tell me if I have a problem with a chicken, an injured chicken, or a series of injured chickens, or a series of disappeared, or feathers, piles of feathers, how the feathers are arranged, um, helps me determine what the animal is or what the predator is that got it. And that just sort of expanded and expanded and expanded. And actually, the first edition of the Chicken Health Handbook had a section on predators, because it really is kind of a health issue. But 
the current edition got so big that we took that predator section out and just expanded it into a whole nother book so that we we could go into greater depth about the modus operandi of the various predators and what you can do to protect your chickens from predators, especially knowing what predators are in your particular area. That's very interesting. We get those questions constantly too, that something had come in and killed their chickens and they are typically ordering new and reinforcing their coop. But a lot of times the customers I talk to have no idea what had attacked them. So again, another great resource to keep on your bookshelf. So in a moment's notice, when a predator strikes, you can pull it out and reference it and try to reinforce your coop the best for the predator you're you're fighting right. against or trying to prevent. Right. And we have lots of, I put in lots of charts to help people identify things rapidly. So, I mean, if eggs are missing or if eggs are broken or if a chicken has a bite out of it or if it's a small chicken or a big chicken or multiple chickens or if you just go through that kind of checklist, you can narrow down what the predators are pretty rapidly. And then we also have a chart, I put a chart in the back of the book where you could check off the ones that you have found through the book that are likely in your area based on the geographic location that that I indicate in the book. And so you just ignore the ones that are not in your area. Eliminate, basically eliminate what it can't be so you can determine what it was. Great, a process of elimination. And I'll tell you, I've lived in Michigan my entire life and I thought I had a really good handle on predators. You don't. <laughs> There's always something, like something you would have never thought of or even if you know what's in your area and you try to build your coop specifically to avoid that, they'll find a way in. Their predator loss, I feel like, is every chicken owner is going to experience some predator at one point or another in their chicken keeping journey. So having that yep. on hand as a resource, highly yep, recommend. You're absolutely right. We, we had turkeys here and we had a contractor coming in and do some work and all of a sudden the turkeys started disappearing and the sign was bobcat, but I didn't really, I had no evidence. I mean, I didn't see the bobcat. We put a camera trail cam up and we identified the bobcat through the trail camera had a hard time finding how it was getting into the yard and it turned out that the contractor had done something on the fence and had shorted it out (laughs) and you know we had gone up and down that fence a million times looking for a problem and when we finally fixed it the one night I was out there feeding around almost dark and I heard uh, some yowling in the back and I think what happened is the cat was going through where he was then going through all along and got really zapped on the nose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Never had another problem after that So, but you're right I mean gotta always be on the alert. Absolutely. All right so we'll end with just a few more questions. This is one of my favorite ones and I find this very interesting. I'm always surprised by what people come back with. If you could be any poultry breed, what would you be and why? I would say probably Polish. I inherited my Uncle Arthur's hair (laughs) and it it stuck up in all directions. And sometimes I get up in the morning and I comb my hair and nothing just sticks up. And my husband says, oh, you're having another Uncle Arthur day. (laughs) (laughs) And so when I see my Polish rooster out there, I I have one Polish rooster out there and he has that same problem. (laughs) That is funny. So I figured I figured I'd probably most likely be a Polish That is hilarious. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, if people are looking to find you, where can they do that? Well, I have a website, gaildamoreau.com. Keep it simple. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So if they know my name, they can find my website. And um, I try to write uh, frequently about chickens, but I also write about goats and gardening. So basically just 
life here on our farm and anything that I think somebody might be interested in. I did scroll through your blog and have saved a few articles to come back to. So good information for anyone and everyone out there, regardless of what level you feel you are in a as a poultry keeper or gardener. All right. Well, I think that concludes today's episode. Gail, thanks again for taking time out of your day and spending some time with me chatting chickens. Oh, my pleasure. It's been fun. As you can see, one of the many reasons I love Gail's books is how she finds her start in the topics. It's not, I need to write a book about this. It's about having an issue in her own flock, investigating that issue, and realizing there's greater information here that could serve other backyard flock owners. Regardless of your poultry keeping experience, the Chicken Health Handbook and her newest release, What's Killing My Chickens, are great resources to keep on hand. Explore more of Gail's writing through the link below. And as always, thank you for listening to The Coop. See you all next week. Bye.